The Heat were at Boston, taking on one of the hottest teams in the NBA. And while it was a game of runs from both teams and some spotty officiating, Miami holds on for a convincing 106-98 victory. Clutch shooting, great defense, role players, and stars stepping up. Just a great game for Miami to build on for the rest of the regular season. And we'll break it all down here for you on this live episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Thursday edition of Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening or watching on YouTube, Odyssey, or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. Excited to be talking about one of the best games of the year, and it just feels like the pendulum has completely shifted in Miami's favor. A week ago, we were scurrying around Bernie's dressing room at FDX Arena wondering what the hell just happened as we saw Eric Spolster, Udonis Haslam, and uh, Jimmy Butler get into one of the most egregious displays of, of bad chemistry that we've ever seen from this Heat team. And here they are traveling to Boston and taking on the Celtics, one of the best teams in the league over the last couple of months. Incredible defense. They made a right trade at the trade deadline to acquire Derek White, and it's really turned this team around. They've gotten some cohesion after this team had a blow-up of their own earlier in the season. And now Miami goes in there and just a continuously great effort from the first minute all the way up to the end. Fantastic defense, great scoring, incredible performances all the way around. Is the Miami Heat fixed Wes uh, I think that's the big question everybody wants to know are they fixed are they 100% well, back I hard to know that question exactly but uh, I'm really enjoying these new rotations now that Eric Spolstra has used in consecutive games they beat the Sacramento Kings a couple of nights ago in a blowout win and you're like all right well you needed something to get back on track and what not better to get back on track than a game against the Sacramento Kings and they use that momentum and whatever wind in their sails that they got from it to beat the Boston Celtics in a game with a playoff feel to it. And yes. these rotations are just, they're clicking. They're making a lot of sense. We had Rohan on, uh, Nad Carney from Sports Illustrated on the show a couple days ago. And we were talking about, you know, how this was really the team that, like, I, I know the rotations are all changed, but these guys have all played together just based on injuries and everything that's happened. Like, all these guys have played together for the most part. And when you're not trying to work in guys like Victor Lodipo and Markeith Morris and all this stuff, like it just clicks again. And and that's just been overwhelmingly evident. The other thing, David, from this game, and my big takeaway was this was as good a game as I've seen the Heat starters play all season long. And Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and Bam Adebayo have quietly kind of taken over more and more as the Heat have been winning more recently, right? So I'm I'm not really counting that nightmare that that nightmare week there where nobody was doing anything, but Jimmy Butler 24 points tonight, Kyle Lowry 23 points tonight, and his scoring has been ticking up. Bam Adebayo 17 points tonight. There's your three leading scores, and like I said, we've see, just been seeing more instances of that where those are your three top scores. Uh, PJ Tucker was okay in the first half, really good I thought in the second half. Max Struess, who we'll talk about later, was sensational starting his second game at shooting guard uh, in a row. Tyler Hero, big points off the bench, too. So that's your top six. But as far as the starters, again, just as good a game as I've seen them play all season long against a Boston Celtics team that, yes, is down Robert Williams, but has been just pummeling the entire NBA for since the, the year flipped from 2021 to 2022. This was going to be a tough game no matter what in Boston uh, with, with a lot of stakes on the line, right? Whoever won this game, was going to have uh, their their hold for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference right now. And whoever lost was going to drop either the third or fourth place. Well, now it's the Heat in the number one spot in the East. And it's the Celtics who tumble all the way down to fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Still close in the East, but this was a huge game with a playoff atmosphere. Agreed, 100%. And look, the, the Robert Williams drop-off isn't all that considerable. Like People are saying he was you know a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year, and he has been really good. 
I can't I can't stomach somehow. I can't process similarly similarly to what we saw last year from Utah's six man of the year race where it was Joe Ingles or Jordan Clarkson the same way it was <laughs> a couple of years ago with Montrez Harrell and uh, 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 Lou Williams. Like you can't both get it like you can't have two six men of the year on the same team. You can't have you know, two defensive players of the year on the same team. Uh, in any case, they also have Al Horford. They also have Daniel Tice, who contributed 21 points combined between those two players. So they've got the center position locked up. But you're right. The starters were fantastic. And Max Struess back in the starting lineup for his second straight game. Not just the birthday present on Monday against the Sacramento Kings. Starting and having his troubles early on. It looked like he was getting mm-hmm. picked on by Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown, et cetera, and then slowly started to come around and had a fantastic fourth quarter, not just spotting the the game here and there with some clutch shooting, but also defensively drawing a huge charge on Jason Tatum, getting a block late in the game too, just doing some fantastic work defensively. Something that we had not expected from him. I know I haven't necessarily been critical of Max Struess' defense, but I've also lauded Duncan Robinson on his defensive effort all all season long, but Max... Really yeah. showed up tonight. I think his best defensive game of the year by far. I think, you know, we could get into the X's and O's and why you put Max Struess in over Duncan Robinson, the three-point percentage. Is he better defensively? Is he better off the dribble? And all that stuff. And, yeah, I do think that Max Struess is a little bit better off the dribble than Duncan Robinson can, right? Like, Duncan Robinson's basically going to do uh, closeout dribbles, and that's basically it. Struess can make stuff happen a little bit more. I actually think an underrated reason why Spo went Struess over Duncan Robinson is I think Struess is a little bit better of a passer than Duncan yeah. Robinson is, too. But... Yeah. I, ultimately, what it comes down to is just Max Struess is just a gamer, man. And that has nothing to do with Duncan Robinson. I, I hate comparing those two, and I've avoided it all season long. Max Struess is a gamer, and he stepped up tonight for sure. I want to kind of zoom out again, though, on that starting lineup because this was I, – I can't stress how good the Celtics are enough. Like, I don't know how many Heat fans listening to this, uh, tuning in right now, have watched the Celtics a lot lately. That is well, a just really – half of them. <laughs> that's a really good team. That um, I know, again, losing Robert Williams, there's still like that does not eliminate them from the conversation in the Eastern Conference. It hurts, but it doesn't eliminate them uh, at all. But uh, to me, th- this was sort of what we envisioned this Miami Heat group looking like when it was assembled. And not to say we haven't seen it. We saw a lot of it for most of the year. But to me, like what was on so much display here was just the collective basketball IQ of this team, right? Like, obviously, they made some shots. Jimmy Butler making some big fourth-quarter mid-range shots. Uh, Bam Adebayo had his floater going. Kyle Lowry was stepping into threes and all those things. But it wasn't, like, those weren't necessarily tough shots, right? They were creating open looks because of their ba- with their basketball IQ, knowing when to cut at the right time, knowing when to flare off of what screen and when. Like, I, I just thought that Miami's top players, their leaders, their veterans, kind of worked. Boston's defense, which has been the best in the league for a very long time now. Um, Like, that was the basketball IQ, right? Like, obviously, this team is talented. But its greatest strength, when it leans all the way into its basketball IQ and just finds easy looks, all that stuff where we're talking about the half-court offense, all of that stuff that we've been discussing about can this team score in the fourth quarter in late in games, that was there, right? We saw all of that tonight. I, I never want to necessarily trash another team or anything like that. I'm not necessarily I'm not gonna disparage Boston because all your points were absolutely valid that they've been great. But even when Miami was losing late in the fourth quarter, when they, they let slip a, another lead yet again, I was convinced that they were playing significantly better uh, than mm. Boston. Like Boston felt like the beneficiary of some ridiculous officiating. I think they got an awful lot of and one calls in their favor. And I know the officiating swung in both ways eventually. But I think that Miami, yeah, Miami played a better game overall. And this is, again, to your point, Boston has been one of the best teams in the NBA for the last half of the season and even beyond that. And Miami not only held their own, but surpassed them in every way. I think they did a fantastic job. They made smart plays. Uh, They made some boneheaded plays, but overall, I think they were just, they showed themselves to be the much better team. And I think it might be possibly Miami's best if not biggest win of the season. Uh, certainly a momentum shift, considering yeah. where we were just a week ago, when the sky was falling and <laughs> and Miami was in the middle it's of the It's crazy what game. one win, what one big win can do. It just erases all of that We're stuff. back, baby, we're it, back. It just, That's it, it's all It does, all but over. like, it, it feels that way, and I know we're making fun of it, but it, isn't it kind of true, right? Like, yeah. people just feel better when I'm they're winning, and 
NBA Finals are bust. This team's going to go all the way. The Celtics suck. Miami is clearly the better team. <laughs> I mean, Williams Jason Tatum known. and Jalen Brown were right there. They were playing really well. I mean, Tatum was just, he was 0 of 5 from three-point range, but he could, just could not be stopped within the arc, right? 23 points on 9 of 17 shooting, 9 of uh, 12 if you eliminate the threes. Jalen Brown, flip kind of on the flip side, he couldn't really make anything at the basket, but he made like his five, five of his first six three-pointers. Yeah, he was really insane. good. It probably wasn't the best Celtics performance, okay? It probably wasn't. Um, but you also have to credit Miami for some of that too, right? Like defensively, they were really good. I thought Bam Adebayo, I know that we've been talking about like Jimmy and Bam, Kyle. I thought Bam Adebayo was the best player on the court tonight. Ooh. I thought he was the best player on the court tonight. And I, I, I don't really think it was close, okay? Like what he did defensively was yeah. incredible. And it is a reminder of why, yes, the Celtics are a tough matchup for everyone, including the Heat. But the Heat are a tough matchup for the Boston Celtics. And it's what we saw tonight. And it's because of Bam Adebayo. And it's because of the way Bam played tonight that that's true. And it reminds me of the Eastern Conference Finals in the bubble and when Bam just messed everything up for Boston yeah. on offense, right. right? And right. so Bam Adebayo is just such a nightmare for the Celtics um, in a matchup perspective. 17 points on 5 of 10 shooting, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals. And that doesn't even come close to telling the whole story. He was dominant tonight. Yeah, that's our defensive player of the year that you're talking about there. Fantastic game from Bam. Fantastic game all around. Nobody particularly struggled. Uh, Duncan Robinson maybe off the bench. He didn't have a great game. Tyler Tough Hero first half for Hero. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he he uh, he did not handle the matchup against Marcus Smart and or Derek White particularly well, and eventually well, no, he figured it out in the second half though, and that kind of goes back to the yeah. basketball IQ. And I thought going back to Bam too, I thought Bam really set up Tyler Hero quite a bit in the second half when he scored. You yeah. know, what was it, nine of his twelve points in the second half? Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about who deserves the the credit for today's game, a game that I, by the way, predicted all the way that Miami would win. And then we'll get into some uh, questions from all of you watching and listening. If you could just shoot those into our, our comment here in our chat, make sure you send those in. We'll answer those later on throughout the show. But yes, another great game for Miami, a 106-98 victory. But now, before we talk about who's, uh, who gets the credit for tonight's win, just a reminder that today's show is brought to you by NBA Top Shot. It's the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports, a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. Look, all of you watching this show right now, you're clearly huge fans. This is the way to take your fandom to another level. It combines the thrill of trading cards, fantasy sports, and the stock market all in one. You've got players that are investors. They know this is a great opportunity. Why wouldn't you follow suit after you see what they experience uh, it just brings your your appreciation of the game that you all love, that we all love, to a whole other level. I know it's all about whether or not you actually own a highlight or anything like that. It's not about that. You actually just own a moment. It's a clear moment in NBA history that's yours and yours alone, and that's what makes it so special. Sign up for NBA Top Shot today, and the best way to start that is by getting yourself a starter pack. You can pick an NFT of a superstar or a role player or anybody that you like. Whatever moment you want to capture, it's up to you. They're available, but go to lockedon.nbatopshot.com to sign up and take your fandom to the next level by starting your Top Shot collection today. <laughs> the wrong sounds here. That's not so dope. making a prediction. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I predict that we are going to give away some credit cookies here in this not segment. Thank you for making Lockdown Heat your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. What are we doing, David? I, you know, Tim Tan's been such a success. I want to go back with those. But uh, have We're we done a lot of requests practice? for Thin Mints in the comments here? Are you willing no, to do it? it? No, no. no. Thin Mint. We've, we've made Thin Mints the, the cookie right. before. You you have anyway. You know I, what? I I'm, I'm going to make the decision here. My favorite cookie of all time is just a really oh. good chocolate chip cookie. And tonight, yeah, tonight deserves just an awesome, fresh baked, hot out the oven. When you take it apart, the chocolate chips melt. You can make a commercial out of it. Those are the cookies. We've got 10 of these delicious, delectable chocolate chip cookies to give out. And I'm starting with Jimmy Butler. I'm starting with Jimmy Butler because, you know what? Same thing goes for the last game against Sacramento. 
Two awesome games in a row for Jimmy Butler. And let's yeah. keep the good times rolling. I'm a huge believer in positive reinforcement. And if he keeps getting these great credit cookies, then he's going to keep doing this instead of yelling at his coach and his teammates uh, on the sideline. And so we've got – I'm going to go two credit cookies for Jimmy Butler. I wish I could give him more. Mm, true. But we just got too many to give out. So I'm going to give two credit cookies to Jimmy Butler. Specifically, I, it would have been one. But in, and then that in fourth quarter, he earned another cookie, making just two or three really clutch mid-range jumpers in that fourth quarter, reminiscent of Jimmy Butler in the bubble, reminiscent of the Jimmy Butler that we know that he can get up to. Kind of not the Jimmy Butler we've seen, quite frankly, for most of this season. That mid-range game has been really shaky. It was not tonight. He had it going, and the Heat are going to need it going like that if they're going to get to the NBA Finals. And so two credit cookies mostly for positive and current reinforcement to Jimmy Butler. You know, it's funny because the whole fight, or at least what we inferred from it, uh, the altercation, if you will, not necessarily a fight, and and everything that we've seen from Jimmy in moments here and there throughout the season is all about Jimmy continuing to do things his own way, right? Or the fact that maybe he's no longer the player he once was and a failure on his part to accept that maybe he's no longer the player that he is. And yet here we are, two games into this post experiment, this post losing game, losing streak experiment with Max Truce as a starter. And somehow Jimmy has been able to become a better, more effective player by taking less of a role offensively. And that's the kind of dramatic revolution here that we're seeing. It's somehow it's worked out beautifully where he's less of a role player or more of a role player than he once was with a reduced role. And yet he's become much more effective and efficient in doing what he does best, which is still scoring at a high level, getting to the line, playing incredible defense. The ball's out of his hands for a great period of time because of those staggered rotations. He's playing alongside Kyle Lowry. He's playing alongside Tyler Hero for significant more minutes. And it's it's just become a, a noticeable difference in how good Jimmy has become playing off ball. The cutting's there. The the efficient drives to the basket. The spacing is there. He's allowed to go to work. There was one or two possession where it was a little clunky there where either Tyler or Bam was kind of in Jimmy's way in the paint. But other than that, it looked like it was just smooth sailing for Jimmy, letting him operate in infrequent opportunities and able to make the most of those, just maximizing what he does well, mm -hmm. even while it takes the ball out of his hands. So it's just worked out so well over the last week. I'm going to give Bam Adebayo three of these gooey, delicious chocolate chip cookies. Mm -hmm. um, all the reasons that I said before, gooey is a good word for cookies. Is, no, I feel like if you described a cookie as gooey, I would be like intrigued by that cookie. No? No, no, that's not, that's disgusting. Gooey? Chewy, maybe. Chewy. chewy. I don't want that chewy. I want like a nice crisp on the edges. Uh, chewy in the middle, crispy on the outside, chewy in the middle. Uh, Bam right. Adebayo gets three of those babies. Uh, all the reasons I said before, we don't have to beleaguer the point. But again, if Bam is playing like this, if Jimmy was pl is playing like this, this Heat team does not have a ceiling, right? Uh, I want to give one to Kyle Lowry. I mentioned the basketball IQ earlier in the show. Credit Kyle Lowry for most of that, too, because that's Seven. why you bring a guy like Kyle Lowry on board is because of that. He was attacking, what was it, in the was it the start of the third quarter, David, yeah. where he hit like a yeah. couple of step-in two threes, and he yeah. just saw Grant – like so, so the Celtics started with Grant Williams, uh, right. who was starting in place of Robert Williams, on Kyle Lowry. Lowry was like, you know what? I'm going to eat this guy up. Barbecue chicken, let's go. And he would just use a – usually it was a Dwayne Dedman screen – uh, at that point in the game, I think it was. But he would come around a screen. Grant Williams would go under the screen, not not come all the way out because he's not a guard. And Kyle Lowry was just using, uh, you know, Williams' relative lack of speed there, just getting that shot off quickly. Uh, and and he, he hit like two threes in a row. And then that forced the Celtics to kind of rejigger their entire, uh, you know, matchups defensively. They wouldn't put Grant Williams on him again because it was just barbecue chicken for Kyle Lowry. So he's getting a, a credit cookie for that. Uh, anything yeah. on Lowry before we move on? Yeah, three of five in the third quarter, 10 yeah. points for him, 10 of his 23 points, fantastic showing there. And it was at a moment there where Miami had a slight lead going into out of the half, 
and yet they needed to build on that. You weren't sure how they were going to respond because the Boston Celtics defense has been so good and they really owned yeah. most of the second halves. And yet Miami responded by punching them first and kind of setting the tone. And while Boston eventually came back, Miami had already built enough momentum there where they were continuing able to, uh, continually able to build off that. It didn't seem like any team was really able to pull away from the other, and that kind of benefited Miami more to their pace. From what we saw of this last matchup, Boston's certainly capable of blowing out teams. They've done that pretty consistently over the last couple of months of their, their hot streak. Miami hung tight, and a big part of that was Kyle Lowry. So great game from him. Uh, Max Struess. You know what? What can you say about Max Struess? Before before we talk about Max Struess, I have one more cookie to give out before we get to the Max Struess cookies. Okay. I'm going to give one cookie to Dwayne Dedman. And I'm going to explain yeah. why. Okay. He, he had some good stretches of minutes in the se- It was a rough first quarter for him in his minutes. Second, quarter third quarter was, was pretty down. solid. Fourth quarter was atrocious. It was terrible. He <laughs> uh, got called for an offensive uh, foul on a moving screen. Uh, he, was an, he was providing zero interior defense uh, for the beginning stretch of the fourth quarter. And I actually thought that Eric Spolstra needed to get him out earlier. Or Miami yes. was... Uh, at risk of letting this game slip away. I'm giving Dwayne Dedman a credit cookie here because he made the decision for Eric Spolstra. With seven (laughs) minutes and 43 seconds left, he fouls out. Boston is up 90 to 85 at that point of Dwayne Dedman fouling out. Uh, Bam Adebayo is forced to come in about a minute, a minute and a half earlier than he probably would have under these new rotations. I don't know that the Heat win this game if Dedman does not foul out. That was probably the best foul out of the Heat season. Uh, yep. And so I'm giving Dwayne Dedman a cookie for that. Let's move on to Max Struess. We only have two cookies left. If we add, wait, wait a minute. No. I think wait, I found wait. another cookie. Oh, wait. So convenient. So convenient. I think I found two you're... more cookies, David. Oh, oh I think I about three more cookies, David. I'm out. Max I'm Struess. out. I'm out. I can't five, five credit cookies to Max Struess. Oh my God! Making a play for all defensive oh. first team in it's that fourth quarter. Chocolate chip cookies. Max Struess, unbelievable tonight. He is a gamer. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. Max Struess, 14 points, 4 of 9 shooting, blah, 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 7 rebounds, 3 steals. He had 2 blocks. David, I don't even care about the box score. That dude just plays, and he competes, and in a game with a playoff atmosphere, he was not at all out of place. Oh, it's such a tough call. I, I keep feeling like the other shoe is going to drop. I, I love what you're saying about the gamer. Yes, we have seen big moments from Max throughout the season. This has certainly been a breakout season for him. And we all expected this. Like prior to the season, we thought we saw the tea leaves with this heat organization where they we they clearly saw enough of him where they wanted to make a commitment to keeping him on the on the roster. They believed in him. We saw big moments from him in the summer league. We saw big moments from him in the preseason. None of that matters. You get into the regular season, and you're not quite sure what you're going to get out of Max. Slowly but surely, he's become a much more important part of what this team does, and yet here he is starting. I, I keep expecting the other shoe to drop. Is this something we're going to see permanently? And yes, I argued that last week, or I'm sorry, on Monday following the Kings game, I do think this is going to be the new normal moving forward. Uh, and yet somehow I, I don't know that we can count on these kinds of games from Max regularly. He was clearly mm-hmm. fired up. I don't know what it was that lit a fire under him in that fourth quarter. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's all it is. If that's all yeah. it is, well, you know what? You, you take it. Jake Crowder had moments like that too, where he just stepped up on the right occasion. I don't know if Struess is that kind of player just yet. Uh, I don't know if he gets that kind of credit moving forward. Well, that's way, why you that, – that's the luxury of having somebody like Duncan Robinson right there in reserve, right? If Max Drews for some reason falls off and he enters some sort of shooting slump, right, then you have Duncan Robinson right there. And it's not a drop-off from a three-point shooting perspective, right, Absolutely. at all. And so um, that is the luxury that you have. And, again, Spolstra sees something. There is a reason that Eric, that, that Eric Spolstra is putting Max Drews in the starting lineup. So far, it's worked two games in a row. I'm with you. Maybe it's not right to trust a couple of undrafted shooting guards at this point in it with a starting spot, but they've both stepped up. You know, again, I don't want to... Strew starting, to me, has nothing to do with Duncan Robinson. It doesn't. It just means that you can't move those other four guys. Uh, a couple other notes before we move on to some questions here. Uh, the yeah. Heat cl- officially clinched a playoff spot with this win. thought that was worth nice. noting. Uh, and nice. then the closing lineup, right? Of Kyle Lowry, uh, was it Kyle Lowry, 
Tyler Hero, Max Struess, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Uh, no PJ Tucker. One game, we talk, we, yeah, we talked yeah. about that uh, with Ron Nutkarni. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, one game, so can't take a lot of it, but just you know, a game to game basis, it's just sort of worth noting. All right, who is Spo closing with tonight? That was the the five that he decided with. We'll see what happens uh, in the next game. And you know. I, I'm okay with that. I know that we had this argument or discussion yesterday, and I know we've had it at various points throughout the season, and I know that you need some kind of chemistry, some kind of stability in knowing that, but you also have to remain flexible. And today you go with the, the quote-unquote hot hand, and that was Max mm-hmm. Drew. So he had the hot hand defensively. He had a great, he played a great role, was effective out there, and so you leave him out there. He earned that opportunity. Why not leave him out there? He was able to move well. He was able to keep up with you know Boston's star players. Like He had a great play on Jason Tatum. And and when you do something like that, you you earn the ability to stay out there, and you earn the right to be out there. And, and, and good point, yes. And Tyler Hero, Max Struess, neither of them were attacked defensively that we like we saw you know a week ago against Philadelphia, right. and, and that right. was a really big reason of why they were able to stay on the floor and why you don't have to lean all the way defense with somebody like PJ Tucker. All right. Well, we'll answer some of your questions in the next segment, so make sure to send those in there. Uh, we're wrapping up this special edition, a live edition of Locked on Heat. And uh, before we do that, I also want to point out that uh, our, our esteemed competition, if you will, or another <laughs> another one of the great podcasts out there covering the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat Beat, are having a live show of their own at some point today. I'm not sure if it's currently ongoing or not. They usually do a post-game show, and they're also doing a charity event for a great cause. So if you can go and contribute at some point, we'll be wrapping up here within the next 10 minutes or so. But once we're done here, if you want to hop on over to the Heat Beach uh, chat and make sure that you support them and support the great cause that they're they're you know, for collecting money for, that would be an awesome thing to do. And uh, while you're at that, just a reminder that today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national championship this coming week. Wes, you got a pick for the Final Four? Uh, I had Houston and Gonzaga, so I'm not looking good. But now I'm pulling for UNC. Yep. Not Coach yeah. K out of this thing. I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so Kansas, UNC for the championship. That's how I see it. I think UNC is going to win it, right? That makes sure. sense. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts like this and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Just a reminder that you can always reach us via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLLHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. We'd love to interact with all of you. Thanks so much for hopping on the show and for supporting us here and for always watching our videos on YouTube, downloading our podcasts, and again, leaving comments and feedback because we'd love to hear from you. So let's kick it off with some questions from our audience today. Wes, what have we got? This one comes from Blackman eight seven eight seven eight seven eight seven eight seven. What will the Heat need from Jimmy, Bam, Kyle, and Tyler in the postseason? And I would answer kind of what we saw from them tonight. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, look, I, I mean, with with if you're looking at specific roles, you need all of them to step up to varying degrees. Uh, I think Tyler has to be able to provide some more scoring. He's clearly become the focal point for opposing defenses. Uh, yes. We saw that during the four-game losing streak. We saw that today from Boston. We did. They're a great defensive team. Mm-hmm. They try to keep him out of his comfort zone, challenge him a little bit physically. He's more equipped to deal with it now than he was last year, uh, and he's still able to get his shot off. But you could tell like, it was he was uncomfortable early on because that shot was – not just off, it was off by a lot. Yeah. Like he was missing everything, hit the side. They're of the bad board. shots. He wasn't getting good shots. Yeah. He was forcing them up. Yep. Yeah. So I think you need to see him kind of stabilize a little bit. And we saw that during the second half. So that's yeah. encouraging. And I think we can start to see that more regularly. He's not going to start. I think that might be an ace in the hole if somebody gets hurt or if you're down in a series or something like that. Match but up, I think yeah. you're going to continue. Yeah. I think you're going to continue to see him come off the bench. And that's fine. That's where he can thrive and he will. For Kyle and Jimmy. Well, before you move off of Tyler. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. More of what we saw in the second half than what we saw in the first half. But he's talked about this before, right? He he likes to feel out teams. 
I actually think that having that sixth man role is good for him because he can kind of see what the defense is doing and then check in at the midway point in the first quarter and all that stuff. Uh, you made a really, really good point there where defenses are keying in on Tyler Hero when he's on the court. And I actually thought tonight we saw Jimmy, Bam, and Kyle play with and off of Tyler Hero as well as we've seen them do that all year long. And again, Tyler Hero's box score, not awesome. Right. But his impact was felt in a very big way, right? What was his plus minus? I'm just curious. He was a plus 12. No, no. Sorry. He was a plus one. Uh, that's I would like to see that what, what it was in the second half because that was definitely higher. I saw. I think we saw a lot of minutes. I don't have it in front of me. I don't know. I'll have to check. But I thought we minutes. saw a lot. Or I, I think we saw a lot of minutes with him and Jimmy, Bam, and Kyle together is what I meant. Oh, but I like, see. Okay. Uh, which I, with these new rotations – that Spo is implementing. I think we're just going to see more of that, right? Obviously, all those those four guys closed together along uh, along with Max Struess, but uh, these no rotations are you're going to see Tyler with other starters more often. And I really, really liked Tyler's minutes with Bam Adebayo. I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but what Bam is able to do two man game wise with Tyler Hero, the screens, the passes, being able to set him up is enormous. And I and when Tyler Hero is struggling to get his shots when guys are trapping him, when they're paying a lot of attention to him, Bam is the guy to free him up. And he did that tonight yeah. against Boston. Now, to, to your point, I'm looking at the box score right now, and Tyler only scored two points in the second half. So most of his scoring probably came in that second quarter when he was right. helping Miami build that slim one-point lead. And yet he was a plus-minus of a nine. Uh, he finished with two mm. assists, uh, also had six rebounds. A lot of those crucial because you saw Boston getting a lot of and one opportunities where they were finishing and missing their first shots, but they would pull down those rebounds. Al Horford's still a solid rebounder, even at this point in his career, but yet Tyler able to be impactful in a positive way in the second half. Even Yeah. A lot, of the, a lot of those long rebounds that Spo pointed out that they weren't getting during the nightmare week. Uh, they were getting yeah. those tonight. Yeah. For Jimmy and, and Kyle and Bam, I'm sorry, Jimmy, Kyle and Bam again. Yeah. To our point earlier, a lot of what we saw today, more aggressive from Bam, more versatility, mm -hmm. same as everything. But I think we've seen from Kyle. Like today is a great game for Miami and for Kyle Lowry in particular. But we've seen this slowly building over the last few weeks. His yes. shot has absolutely been falling. He's been sensational. This mm -hmm. is the player that you acquire. If you're giving up a young player or even a, a trusted veteran like Goran Dragic in a deal for Kyle Lowry, this is what you're getting from him. This is why you make that deal because he's still, he is still a gamer too. Let's move on here. Uh, one thing on Jimmy Butler too. Uh, I mentioned the the mid range shot. We just we that's why I gave him the cookie. We need more of that in the postseason to answer this question. Uh, that's sort of the bellwether for his offense, isn't it? When that mid range game is going. Um, yeah. So yeah. Next question. Um, we it, it, this is worth touching on um, because it's such a new development here. But do we see yep. Depot or Morris playing in the playoff rotation, barring injuries to somebody else? I think it would take an injury. Uh, yeah. To P.J. Tucker for Markeith Morris to play. It would take an injury to probably a couple players for Victor Oladipo to get on the court for meaningful minutes in the, in the playoffs. But uh, now that this rotation is sort of set over the last couple games, it's very clear that Victor Oladipo, Markeith Morris are the odd men out. And, and I think it was the right call. There was just not enough time to get them ramped up into optimal playing shape. And, and when the goal is to win a championship... You, you, you feel for these guys and all the time that yeah. they missed and all the work that they put into getting back onto the court. And it was awesome to see Victor Oladipo back out there. I did not think we were going to see Marquise Morris again this season, but we did. It's a credit to him and everything yeah. that he's gone through. But uh, when your goal is to win a championship, it's these are the sacrifices that players have to make. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they, they touched on it during the ESPN broadcast. We've touched on it before. Uh, you know, Eric Spolster made that mention even when Oladipo was playing in his first game back, you know, that, that rotation minutes and things of that sort. That's for amateurs. Uh, at, by the same token, on the flip side of everything, you want to make sure that Eric Spolster is at least being honest with these players. Like players will say that the biggest problem between they and then coaching is a lack of communication or that they tell you one thing and then the exact opposite happens. You just hope that Spo is being open about the fact that they're not getting these kinds of, uh, you know, the, the kind of playing that they felt that they might deserve or earn. Uh, From Mark everything Ford, we understand, um, yeah, Spo is, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think Moore's, can get minutes here and there. I, I still think as a backup five, there is some potential for him to get some playing time. I think he's in good enough shape. We saw that jumper falling regularly. I'd like him as a better option over Oladipo at this point, which is yeah. kind of more indicative of where Victor is at this stage too. Uh, 
Gabe has struggled, even as he's in slowly being incorporated back into the rotation uh, instead of Victor Oladipo. I can't see Oladipo leapfrogging him, though, because just Gabe provides a little spark defensively that Oladipo's just not capable of, and I think he knows where to be on the floor offensively in a way that Victor does not either. This next one comes from Loveless McLovin. Will Duncan thrive on the bench? Less pressure, easier matchups. Um, I think that's certainly part of it. One thing that I did have as a note, uh, David, before this game started was whether or not Boston would attack the Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero backcourt uh, on that second unit. Just turns out the Celtics rotations, like you're just not scared of Derek White and Peyton Pritchard doing that kind of mismatch stuff. Um, yeah. And I think that's sort of the idea, right? Is, yeah, those two guys on the court, we've seen them get attacked, most notably in the playoffs in the first round sweep against Milwaukee last year. It's just really hard to put those two on the floor against a hunting, mismatch hunting type of offenses. But uh, I think that's the bet, is that most second units don't do that, can't do that. They don't have, that's why they're bench players. They, they don't, right. They're not that talented. They can't do that kind of stuff. So uh, I think that's the bet. And I think if if it comes to the situation in the postseason where they are having that issue, well, then you just shorten your starters or, or you, you, you know, you shorten your bench, you lengthen the starters minutes and you just have less of Duncan Robinson and Tyler hero together off the bench. Yeah. Oh, all good points. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I didn't expect Duncan to be coming off the bench late in the season. Uh, and yet it seems to have worked. And, uh, I think he'll continue to find a way to thrive. Look, he's also, he might be more effective or efficient in whatever minutes he gets, but at the same time, he'll probably wind up playing less minutes than he was before, even before yeah. while he was sitting out fourth quarters, he's just, He'll probably top off at 15 minutes a game, which is far yep. less than he was playing before that. But anyway, it's what he had tonight: Struess played 32 minutes, Dwayne Dedman played 14 and a half minutes, Gabe Vincent 13 minutes. No minutes in the second quarter for Gabe Vincent, which I found weird, but maybe that's just a wrinkle of the rotation. He wasn't very um, good, unfortunately. Yeah, he wasn't very good. Uh, do you guys think this one comes from Matthew Taylor? Do you guys not think Tyler should start in the playoffs? Uh, Max and Struess. Off the bench, no, I think Tyler Hero is good right where he is. Let him keep playing right. sixth man. I think in a cer certain matchups, maybe if you just need that shot creation, but I just think that the way they stagger their lineups and the fact that Tyler Hero closes games anyway, um, yeah. it's more important that he's there at the end of games than he is in the beginning of games. Uh, all right. Um, I like this one. Philip writes in, old school question, who is better for the Heat, Brian Grant or P.J. Grant Brown? I'll let you take this one, David. Oh, that's a tough one. That is really tough. Like PJ Brown, uh, part of much more successful teams. Uh, he played his role very effectively. He just had a far less role. Uh, Brian Grant was never supposed to be what Brian Grant became for the Heat. Like he was acquired as the power forward who was supposed to be playing alongside Alonzo Mourning in 2000, I think it was when the acquisition was made. They had Anthony Mason there as a backup. Uh, they had traded for Eddie Jones and, and getting rid of uh, Jamal Mashburn to Charlotte. So they were retooling this team. Brian Grant was a great complimentary player to Alonzo Mourning, but then Alonzo Mourning, of course, developed his kidney disease, and uh, he was thrust into the starting lineup as a center. I'll never forget a one matchup. It's always stood out in my head. Yao Ming complaining about Brian Grant clawing his back up like a tiger because, of course, uh, Brian Grant topping off like at 6'8", 6'9", maybe, and facing Yao Ming, who was seven foot five and so much bigger than he was, and like just doing what he could to, to keep the big man off the boards. Uh, this is a long-winded answer. I'd say Brian Grant was the better player, but P.J. Brown was more effective at what he was supposed to be doing, which is the role that, BJ, that Brian Grant was acquired for. He just wound up taking on a much bigger role throughout his uh, three seasons in Miami. We got time for a couple more. This one comes from uh, Matthew Taylor's. Guys, are you not concerned about size like me for the playoffs? Yurtsevin needs minutes. Could be really important. I'm worried about Bucks and the Nets. They could go really big. Brooke Lopez is back for the Bucks. Um, yeah. It's a concern. This, it's, it's, it's been a concern. Well, th this is why Dwayne Dedman is important, and this is why he shouldn't get into foul trouble, and that was kind of the reason he was almost out of the league, by the way, is that there yeah. it was such a concern with him just uh, reaching and, and picking up early fouls in games, but uh, yeah, that's the importance of Dwayne Dedman and ultimately why I think Spo went with him over Markeith Morris in this newest uh, edition of the, the, the rotations. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I don't look, I, I don't think you want to put the, the first year player in a playoff situation against the defending champs and say, Talking go to work your... and see what you can do. Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's a realistic option. 
No, Yurtsevin's uh, not going to be a playoff guy. That's why Deadman is there. Maybe Yurtsevin's that guy next year. But right now, I mean, there's a reason he's not in the rotation. It's not because Spolstra doesn't like him personally. It's because he's young and he's still prone to some mistakes. I know it's not easy to see those mistakes. But when you're a head coach of a basketball team who's won multiple championships, those are the kind of mistakes that you notice. And you just trust Deadman in those spots a little bit more. If, if Am I concerned with size overall? I'm not really concerned about it unless – you. Know, uh, depending on the matchup, I, I would only be concerned about it against Philly and Milwaukee. I still, I, you know, I watched that Bucks game the other night against Philly. And even against Philly, the Bucks are just huge. I mean, obviously, Philly's got Joel Embiid, but then just one through five on Milwaukee is just a bunch of enormous humans. And we saw mm. them smother the Heat. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that is a concern. Like, the Heat aren't the automatic favorites. Like, this is a team with weaknesses for a reason. Uh, the way to counteract that is play the way that you did tonight switching uh, uh, most of everything, even though they have been switching a little bit less lately, uh, and then just yeah. leaning into your basketball IQ, making the most of those uh, short, the, those small passing windows and those small driving windows when you can, just being opportunistic the way that the Heat have been when they're at their best. Uh, setting the right. tone early, setting the tone yes. early, you know, you know, dealing with doing what they do best, uh, you know, trying to challenge Giannis and get him in foul trouble. Yes. Those things forcing the issue in transition. The yeah, getting yeah. those early shots off. Uh, you want one more here? Yeah, let's do it. Keep it going. Um, Big win. Woo. Got the energy. I'm down. Yeah. I mean, we can keep going. How, uh, let's do this one again. Again, from Matthew Taylor. It's question Good MVP day. right Good now. Day. How important <laughs> do you guys think that it is to secure the one seed? Second seed looks very likely to face the Nets in the first round. What do you guys think of a first round matchup with the Nets now that Kyrie is back? David, can I be honest about something right now? Yeah, I yeah, know that yeah. we're all contractually obligated to discuss how nobody wants to face the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. That's true. I've watched some of these Brooklyn games since Kyrie got back, and I know that Kyrie Irving is a star, and it's a flashy name, and everything that's gone on with his story and everything like that. And when you put him and Kevin Durant, those are two of the most talented scorers in the NBA, and nobody wants to play those guys. But they have a losing record with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the lineup. I think there's something like 9-13 and 13 this season when both of those guys play. They can't stop anybody. Anybody. And I'm at the point now where, like, yeah, would I rather face Charlotte or Atlanta in the first round? Of course I would. But I don't know that I would rather face Toronto than Brooklyn at this point, the way that the Raptors have been playing and how much trouble that they've given the Heat. I'm not worried about the Nets. And maybe this comes back to bite me, and maybe I look like an idiot. I'm not worried about the Nets in the first round. I, this is not a team that I am so worried about that you start discussing, okay, should we start manipulating our place in the standings? Should we tank a couple of games? Whatever it is, I don't care. Get the one seed. It's super important to this Heat team. I would say that the number one seed and home court advantage that comes along with it, more important to this Miami Heat team than it is to any team in the Eastern Conference, right? Uh, and be, just because of the, 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 the discrepancy in top-end talent, uh, you could start to make up for that maybe with home court advantage. At least that would be the yeah. idea. And uh, I would I would do whatever it takes to get that one seed. Think think about what happened last season against the Bucks, the lower seed there in a first round matchup. Maybe if you have if game one is being played in Miami, maybe you get a few foul calls your way, et cetera. by the time that they came back to Miami, the momentum had clearly shifted in Milwaukee's favor. And while Milwaukee was probably the better team anyway, Miami didn't have the advantage. They didn't have any edge to them whatsoever, emotionally or at energy level or anything like that. So the home court advantage clearly favors Miami. So, yeah, I, I understand your position uh, regarding the first seat there. And, uh, yeah, uh, as far as the Nets are concerned, I don't know. Um, they have their weaknesses. I still think also that this is a team that could round into form, uh, especially with Kyrie and KD. Uh, they are also gamers, as you pointed out about Max Strauss, you know, and I, I think that they're they'll ca- they're capable of taking over games individually. One could do it one game, one could do it the next, and then if that's what you get out of that performance, then that's enough for them to steal a series against Miami. Even though I think Miami might be favored by just someone. Uh, Blackman eight seven eight seven eight seven eight seven eight seven writes in. Do you see Spo coming up with more defensive schemes for the playoffs that we didn't see in the regular season? That's a really interesting question. Uh, no, I don't see it. Uh, <laughs> no, do you? Because honestly, I don't. Like, I, I, I think I just he'll... don't know what we haven't seen yet. I mean, what what's he going to pull? Like, we've seen kind of everything, right? We've seen boxing ones. We've seen, had to roll uh, out everything with all the one, injuries. One, two, and- two zones. We've seen, uh, obviously, the two, three zone, the three, two zone. 
Uh, we, he switches things completely sometimes. Sometimes they switch everything except for the center actions. Sometimes they're blitzing. Sometimes they're coming up to the level of the screen. We have seen all these defensive schemes. I, do, I don't know that we'll see anything that we didn't see in the regular season. I'm not a head coach. I don't know all these defensive schemes. Spolstra has uh, incredible imagination when it comes to yeah. defense, and so I won't take anything away from him. I will say this. I think we see several defensive schemes, not just series to series, but within each series to series to series, right? And that's the advantage that we're talking about when you have somebody like Eric Spolstra. The Heat will not get outcoached in a series. We know that. They might not win every series, but it's not going to be for a lack of coaching. Yeah, uh, Raptors fans think otherwise, apparently. I know a lot of the discussion today on NBA Twitter regarding Eric Spolstra and his Coach of the Year status and things of that sort, somewhat half-jokingly. At the same time, defensively, I don't know what else he could throw out there that he hasn't already. Like Part of the missing ingredient to all this was, unfortunately, a player who doesn't seem like he's going to be in the rotation anymore, which is Victor Oladipo. Like We thought with his experience, his defensive versatility, his strength and speed, anticipation and passing lanes and everything else, he could be the X factor for this team defensively. This doesn't seem like that's apparent. Uh, we're getting a question here right now that Caleb Martin, yeah. whether or not he's going to be in the playoff rotation, he could be another one that uh, you throw in there. But he's still a little undersized. Like I like his speed and his ability to, you know, get into passing lanes. He did. A, he's done incredible work as a one-on-one defender with your primary ball handler. So you could throw him at Kyrie Irving uh, while you put Bam and PJ Tucker and some mm-hmm. combination on KD. That might be the the kind of matchup that you're looking for uh, in a first-round series against Brooklyn. But other than that, I, I don't know. I don't know what else you I can see. Do with his I could see Caleb and Gabe Vincent. I could see Spo sort of toggling between them, depending on the matchup. If you need a little bit more size, you lean Caleb. If you need a little bit more kind of traditional ball handling and off the dribble type of stuff, I could see him maybe yeah. going with Gabe or, or even defensively. Hey, are we? Do we need to defend more wings, Caleb Martin? Are we looking to defend more guards? You can go with Cape Vincent. All right, just a couple more here. Um, Uncle Joey ninety nine trade Duncan Robinson for David Ramil. What do you think? I'm not sure what that means. Uh, that well, I don't think that- the salary matching works out. First of all. Well, you don't know. We don't talk numbers here. Uh, I, I would be great if, if if David Locke wants to award me a ninety million dollar contract. I will gladly take it, just for the record. Uh, having said that, no, I, I, I'm not open to trades right now. I've got a no trade cause, baby. Sorry, Uncle Joey. <laughs> uh, all right, this one comes from Loveless McLovin. What would Miami's ideal playoff opponents get uh, be to get to the finals? All right, let's we take a look at the standings right now. Miami, obviously the one seed. They have a two-game lead now over Boston and Philadelphia and a game lead or a game and a half, whatever it is, over Milwaukee. Milwaukee right now, two seed. So right now, Miami would play the eighth seed, who looks like it would be the winner of, by the way, Cleveland tumbling into the play-in. What a tough uh, kind of draw for, for sure. them after such a nice uh, – they were such a great story. From, and still, they still are a great story. But tumbling now into the play-in, Cleveland, Brooklyn. By the way, I have no idea who I would pick in that game. Um, but let's just call it, let's call it Cleveland, I guess, since we're answering this question, what would be the ideal matchup there? Uh, Cleveland or no, I guess we would hope that Brooklyn would win. Cleveland would fall into that nine, the, uh, the winner of the nine, 10 matchup. And then maybe Cleveland wins that game. And then Miami plays Cleveland in the first round, right? Which yes. would be ideal. And then Brooklyn gets forced into the seven seed playing Milwaukee in the first round. So Miami, yeah. Cleveland, obviously I, Cleveland, again, great story. That's a walkover. Miami probably sweeps them, I think, in the first round, very at the at the most five games. And then yeah. if after that, you're looking at Boston and Chicago, the winner of that series right now, uh, if the playoffs started today. And obviously you would you would prefer Chicago out of that matchup. Yeah. Uh, but that's not gonna happen. <laughs> like I don't think Chicago <laughs> makes it out of that round right now. So no. uh, it would probably be the Celtics. It, but that could change. It could be Toronto. Right? It could be Toronto leapfrogging past the Bulls, and they could take on the Celtics. I don't think they knock have them a, out. Yeah, I I don't think Toronto could knock off the the, the Celtics. I think I, I still think it's look, tough the Celtics, for the Celtics too, though, isn't it? Nobody wants to play the Raptors. We should have. We should be giving the Raptors the Brooklyn Nets line. Nobody wants to play the Raptors. I don't. I, I'm not. I, I'm with you. They probably don't beat the Celtics, but that's that could go like yeah, six games. Match. That wouldn't shock me. You know what I mean? That could go six or seven. Uh, yeah. And, no, I think ideally. Yeah, Philadelphia drops into that four seed, and then Boston and Milwaukee are on both on the opposite side of the bracket, so that you only have to play one of Boston and Milwaukee. And I'm not saying that Philadelphia is some sort of walkover, but if you're giving me the choice, do I get to play one of 
Boston, Philadelphia, or Milwaukee, I would pick Philly first and then hope that mm. one of Boston or Milwaukee eliminates the other and that I only have to yeah. get through one of them as opposed to all three of them. Um, and so, yeah, I would hope that maybe Philadelphia falls into that 4-5 game. Philadelphia would beat Chicago. I, I'm not that... I, I'm just... I've not been impressed with what I've seen from the Sixers lately. Um, it's not the same James Harden. Uh, Joel Embiid's obviously awesome, but they've got defensive concerns outside of Embiid. Uh, I, and I kind of like that matchup for Miami. So, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe that. And then and then you play one of Boston or Milwaukee in the conference finals, right? Yeah, no, that's that's the that's the easiest one on paper. Uh, it's hard to predict exactly what would happen, and you never know if the team could suffer another injury here and there. Let's look at uh, you look at the Cavaliers. They they're losing Evan Mobley for some time. They lost Jared Allen, and all of a sudden the team that was uh, almost the first seed at some point in the Eastern Conference now they're tumbling all the way out to. I play in tournament team. So that's going to be a, a tough series for them. Um, yeah, look, you know, part of me is, is kind of an agreement with everything you're saying. And part of me says, you know what, bring it on. It doesn't matter what team it is. If Miami plays their best brand of basketball, I still think they could be any team in the Eastern conference. Their biggest struggle, I really think would be the Phoenix suns. Uh, aside from that, oh, I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Phoenix Suns are really, really good. We got crucified for it to some degree when we pointed that out uh, when they lost the suns. I, I don't think I'm like breaking no, news the Suns, here. I mean, let's we're, they're going to win. What is it? 67, 66 games. I mean, we're talking about the 2012 heat and the two better. Yeah. Better than the best uh, heat 16. Team. <laughs> I mean, but like 66 plus wins over the last decade, it's, it's that heat team. And then the 2016 warriors, right? The best version of the Kevin Durant warriors. Like that's the kind of company the Phoenix Suns are keeping. It should not. Nobody should be upset if you lose to Phoenix. I think they're winning the whole thing this year as, as long as they stay healthy. Uh, last thing here, David, before we sign off. Okay. Uh, Matthew Taylor, the MVP of the show right now. I'm watching this at 5 a.m. in Cape Town, South Africa. I start work at 7 a.m. Go to work, Matt. No, no, don't go to work. Call in sick. Watch Heat games all day. Don't worry about it. We'll pay your salary for the day. We got you, Matt. Don't no, we won't. <laughs> Wes is going to cover your salary. I got Take some the chocolate day chip off, cookies and Tim Tams in the mail. Some Thin Mints in the mail to David, though. Yes. No, the Tim Tams, we will accept Tim Tams in payment. That's absolutely right, the truth. We uh, we've never tried it before, but we'd love to. Somehow we came back to cookies. This is the theme for this show. We always talk about cookies. We talked about Girl Scouts, people attacking my choice not to enjoy Girl Scout All cookies. Right. Uh, anyway, we'll wrap it up. Thanks so much, everybody that tuned in. We love uh, hearing back from everybody. We love all the questions. We love all the feedback. Keep it coming. Uh, and hopefully we'll do this again for an upcoming show. Thanks so much to everybody that tuned in. And thank you so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. And make your second listen, Locked On NBA. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. This is David Ramil signing up for now. Thanks for joining me, Wes. Like, subscribe on YouTube. Wrap it up, B.